Hi friends, and welcome to the Be Nourished podcast, where we talk about the nourishing things in life, relationships, food, jobs, dreams, and everything in between. Happy Tuesday party people. Hope you're having an awesome week so far. Hope you had a good weekend. We have Holly on the podcast today and Holly is such a dear friend to me. I don't, we don't get to see each other very often. We don't talk all that much because we live in different states across the world, basically. Well, across the United States and we're both super busy, married, all the things, but I just cherish my conversations with her because she is such a deep thinker. She's so wise and she's so kind and I just love talking with her and I'm sure you can tell okay I've noticed I do this thing when I get really excited about something or I feel very strongly about a topic I become very southern and you guys I'm trying to work on it I don't notice I'm doing it in the moment and then I listen to these podcasts later and I'm like dang it Allison so you're gonna hear some southern come out especially towards the end I definitely get a little southern but I just feel very strongly about what we talk about today as far as treating people as people no matter who they are no matter where they are um, you don't have to be weird around people just if they don't believe the things that you believe. It's hard, you know, it's weird and it's uncomfortable sometimes, but it's worth it. So Holly is such a gem. She's such a delight. And I hope that you love this conversation as much as I did. Here we are, Miss Holly. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is so delightful. Okay. So (laughs) tell me all about yourself, girl. Here is the thing. I feel like I've cheated on a test because I've listened to your podcast, so I know this so you whole, know. Um, you know, how people introduce themselves has a lot to do about who they are. I don't know. Yeah. So, something that you and Daniel understand, my husband, because <laughs> he's a counselor too. Yes. But anyways, okay, so I'm going to start with this. Okay. And this is what I usually start with, I've found, because I've started paying attention to how I introduce myself. Oh, nice. I am an Alabama native. <gasps> okay. So I think I always start with that. I was thinking about this when I was preparing for this. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I always start with that because when I see where I'm from, mm. it means so much to me personally. Yeah. Because, like, because I mean, whoever I'm talking to on their end, they are just figuring out where I'm from where I'm from geographically. Mm-hmm. But for me to say that I'm from Alabama, it encapsulates so much more because I know that it's where little Holly grew up mm-hmm. and it's where all my immediate family still live. Yeah. A lot of my friends are there, all my memories, my heartbreak, my mistakes, my growth, it's all there. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's why I lead with that. It's just because saying that it just does something to me (laughs) which is so interesting because normally when people describe where they're from a lot of times it's like pride about a certain geographical location so like if I were to tell Mm -hmm. people I'm from Nashville usually I'm trying to say like I'm not from Arkansas you know what I mean do you know what I mean so that it's it's and I agree with you I have a lot of memories obviously and everything in Nashville but it's more about like I'm from a big city, and that's kind of cool. So it's interesting to me that you describe it as, like, your growth. But you know what? I'm not surprised because that's how you are. That's just quintessential you because you're, like, so deep thinking, even though people might hear, oh, she's from Alabama, cool. But for you, it means, like, this whole deep waters thing, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I always lead with that, but it's so funny, like... Even living here in Seattle, um, people will be like, so where are you from? 
and technically I moved here from Arkansas, but I don't say that. I say, Mm -hmm. originally, I'm from Alabama. That's right. And then Dan is like... I'm from Arkansas. So. We, my husband, Clayton and I have this literal argument all of the time <laughs> on our honeymoon. I kid you not, you know, cause we went, we went to a, um, resort and so everybody there is asking where you're from and Clayton is not from Arkansas, but he's lived here eight years or something crazy. Uh-huh. And so he would tell people we're from Arkansas and every cotton picking time I would say, no, we are not. We are no, not, not from Arkansas. I am from Tennessee. I just happen to reside in Arkansas. So I understand. Yes. I understand. Yes. So add that little word originally in there, yep. and I think you'll find That's right. it'll be good with There we it. go. Because Daniel, I think me and Daniel talked about that once or twice. He was like, or, or I said, I forget how I worded it. Something about home is this. And he's like, but home is not Alabama anymore. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. But, I know. You know, Clayton has I still the same argument. I know, girl. You say it because I'm going to say Tennessee for all the living days, and okay, Clayton's just going to have to get over it. He just likes to poke <laughs> fun of me. At, really, at this point, it's more of like just trying to make fun of me. But I understand. Yeah. I do. So I usually lead with that. Okay, I am an INFJ. Ooh, I love it. Yes, I am an Enneagram too. That uh, floats. Really. I float between being a two-wing one and a two-wing three, so essentially, I love to help people, Yes, but I also like to be perfect, Uh and I try to be any and everything people need me to be, so I'm a tortured soul. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I know it. it. I know it. (laughs) I feel you on that. Believe me. So, that is the whole, you know, inner popular testy version yeah. of myself. Yeah, I, um, so, funny fact, Clayton and I, which Mike, Clayton is not into the personality test, he really does not care about that kind of stuff, but for some reason, he really got onto this Enneagram thing, and last night, he was like, we are gonna take the official test, and I said, why? Mm-mm. Like, I don't need to take the, I know who I am, I can tell you right now, I have always tested as a one. Only one time have I tested as a three, and I think it was because we were on a road trip, and I was tired, and I was like, I'm over this. So, he made me take the official paid test, and I, guess what, surprise, am a one. But, I will say that I think a two was kind of high on my list, and I was shocked about that, because I tend to be a little averse to the quintessential two, which is really not fair to say, because, I mean, if people were to do a quintessential one, I don't think it'd be be a very delightful person. But the quintessential two is, like, the southern, you know, little church woman. And Uh I tend to be very, like, please don't. I'm going to throw up in my nachos. So, Uh I was surprised to see that that was high on my list. And also, I would not have put you at a two. I don't think. Really? Yes, I can totally see it, but I don't know that I would have been like, yep, she's a two. Huh. Interesting. Well, so I've been listening to some podcasts of, um, maybe it was Sean and Nyquist, or no, maybe it was Jamie Ivey on the Enneagram podcast. Oh. Um, but she talks about, I want to say being a six. Mm-hmm. W- one of them is a loyalist. Is that the yeah, loyalist? Yeah, that's the six. Yeah. And I think Jamie okay. Ivey is a six. Okay. So I think, I think when I was hearing her talk, I think that's what I'm becoming, if that makes sense. So I feel like I'm in the middle of a change. Yeah, I feel that. 
I feel that I Clayton um has tested as a six, but when he took the you know official test yesterday, he is a nine. So I don't know. Oh, but he does not. A peacemaker. Yeah, but to me, he does not meet a lot of the qualifications for a nine. He's not passive, not not at all. So I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. And I talk about the Enneagram every time. I'm sure people are like, can you please with the Enneagram? But it's so interesting to me. And no, it is interesting. I'm serious. The way people describe themselves in this first little bit, it really is very telling. And I'm sure it has so much to do with Enneagram numbers. So Yeah. Cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, also, I'm a speech pathologist. Yes. Um, yeah. So I've worked in the hospital, nursing home, outpatient care, and currently I work at a private practice that specializes in kiddos. Um, and I just, I love being an SLP. It's another thing about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I identify myself as a speech pathologist, yes. probably within like the first three or four things that I say when I introduce myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's such a unique set of skills. I yes. mean, I just, I get to empower the people that I serve. And I mean, Allison, could you imagine <laughs> having something to say? And oh not being gosh. able to say it. Not one incy bincy bit. Because I don't, I don't tend to stop talking. So I cannot imagine. <laughs> I think it's really but, fascinating what you guys do. For real. Yeah. Well, I think the moment that it all clicked for me is I was sitting in class. And I remember my professor said they, apparently they design prisons. And oh. they, they decipher how many cells they need based on literacy, uh, like the current third graders literacy rate or something like that. So they look at all of the third graders currently, uh, in the United States, somehow, I guess all the testing, I'm not sure what they're looking at or how they get that Mm -hmm. data, but they look at how well they're doing in regard to literacy and reading. And then that is how they determine the size of the prison they need. Whoa, that is so cool. I would not have known that. Does that not just do something to you? That is really neat. I find yes. that so fascinating. And I think it's so cool that you guys can do so many different things. You can work with like so many, you just said it. I mean, you've worked with the elderly, you've worked with kids. Like, I think that's fascinating. Yeah, but I just think, so... Reading to me, I mean, that's just academia in general. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think reading and speech, what the, but I mean, it really, it's all, it all goes together hand in hand in academia. So I just, I guess what I find amazing about it is just that if we can make people and especially kids more effective at communicating, then the more their world will expand. Mm. and the more opportunities that they'll have access to. So I get to watch that happen, and I get to help that come about. I mean, hey, Enneagram 2. There you go. So, I mean, how cool is that? That is cool. I don't know. I I love what I do. It's hard. It's not always fun, for sure. I don't know that any job is always fun. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm passionate about it. Well, that's good. I'm glad because I think think – I don't know. I I experienced after grad school this moment of like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. And I think sometimes that can cause people to be very cynical or they can kind of lose their passion. I've known people who um, started in therapy and it was way, way hard and then they quit and now they do like insurance, which is nothing wrong with insurance, but it's just sad to me to think like you're so passionate about something and then 
you know, this event happens in your life and you kind of veer. So it's good to hear that you're like still in it to win it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had my down moments, For you sure. know, I've looked at Dan and been like, is this really what I want to do? Yeah. You know, I just, I, I love it, but it's just, I don't know, you know, should yeah. I just do ministry? But then we're like, we got some student loans. We right. got to pay for that education before you right. decide to just throw it at the track. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to throw it on the track. Mm. But you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I know it. I have had some similar conversations, girl. <laughs> oh, my. Yes, I do. I get it. Well, I'm so happy. I'm so happy to hear about you. And I just want the world to know that you probably seriously still are on the very top of my list of people who listens so well. Do you know that about yourself? No. Oh my gosh, Holly. I just recall from, I mean, even when we were in Tennessee undergrad students and you just listened so well. You can tell that when you're talking to you that you are truly listening and you are not just listening, but you're taking in what somebody is saying and you're really thinking about what they're saying. And you may not always have like, it's not like you have like a million things to say back, but you can just tell that you're listening. And I really appreciate that about you. I don't know if I've ever told you that. But I have always felt that way, that you're a, re- a really good listener. So Thank you so much for yeah. saying that because I feel everything you said that you perceive me doing when I'm listening, I am doing that. Oh, I know. So I'm so thankful that you said that. No, it's real because one of my biggest pet peeves is when people don't, they don't pay attention to somebody, what someone's saying. I think it is so important. If someone's talking to you, it matters, and even if they're talking about, like, their favorite sweater, you could be the only person in all the land that they have to tell about their favorite sweater. So, if they're talking yes. to you, then listen, and you listen yes. really well. So, Well, have you ever, just, just entertain me on this, have you ever been talking <laughs> to someone, and they're listening to you, and then for whatever reason, something switches, and they are not even looking at you anymore, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and then side to side and I'm like okay we're done here yeah like I'm not mad at you but you have made it very clear to me that, that we're, we're done, done here so oh, I'm yes. just gonna stop oh yeah girl and that I'm, is the worst feeling in the world it really is and I'm super sensitive to it I guess because I try to be a good listener and so I'm sensitive to when people are clearly not listening to me so yes yeah. I'm like not here for it Mm-mm. and you're right it's not like I'm I don't get mad but I'm just like we are very clearly done and it I'm probably yeah. not going to I'm not going to try to come to you again and talk to you. You know, it's just kind of, I I feel very particular about that. So, I understand. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you you so much. Oh, well, you're welcome, girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's just jump right on into it. So, you've you've mentioned that, you know, you're from Alabama, spent Mm -hmm. a hot minute in Arkansas with me going to school, and Mm -hmm. now you're in Seattle, LOL. So, oh yeah, yeah. So I remember when you and Daniel were just dating. Do you do you know that? I remember when you guys just started dating. We talked about it, and you were like, "I don't know, but I think I know." And it was like this whole thing. And now you guys have been married for a while, and you guys are planting and living and missioning out in Seattle. So I don't know where you want to start with this whole kit and caboodle, but tell mm-hmm. us how you got to Seattle, of all places. Okay. I would love to tell you all about it. Yay. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, gosh. Okay, so let's just 
take a little trip back to 2015. Let's do it. Um, okay, so this was the year that I graduated. Um, Daniel and I... We were both in grad school. Uh, he was getting a master's in counseling mm-hmm. uh, from Harding School of Theology while also sim- simultaneously working at a campus ministry on Arkansas State University's campus. Mm-hmm. So we call it ASU. So if you hear me say ASU, that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Not Arizona State. But right, Arkansas right. State. <laughs> okay, so the campus ministry that he was working at is called Wolf Life. Um And he ended up spending two years there. Um, And campus minister he was learning from, his name's Chris Buxton. He was spearheading an initiative to start new campus ministries on college campuses all over the country. So while Dan was at Wolf Life, he was a part of a lot of those conversations that were happening about the need for new campus ministries. Um, you know, just hearing all of Chris's ideas, and he, he was just there for the development of that, mm. okay? Um, so I'm finishing up undergrad. Well, yeah, yeah. So I'm finishing up undergrad. <clears throat> We're engaged at that point in time, almost married, because we got married after I graduated undergrad. So in the meantime, um, the home church that Daniel attends, is also, it's it's called Southwest, it's also the main supporter of a church planting organization called Kairos. I don't know if you've... I have heard of that. Heard all of this. Okay. So, and the founders of Kairos actually attended our church in Jonesboro. So, that's Stan and Gina Granberg. I'm sorry, there's a lot of names, a lot of organizations. So, we'll just wrap it on up at the end. (laughs) But, um, they, so, Stan and Gina, they were willing to pour into us which was amazing Mm -hmm. Um, just having people who are older and experienced just in faith, but in life. Yeah. And them just being willing to pour into us and they were willing to meet with us um, and just help us figure out if we want to be planters of some kind. Okay. Now, had you pause on here? uh Had you thought about plant, like had you ever thought about this or was this something that was really Daniel's heart and you were just kind of like, uh, Okay, here we are, or like, what do you think? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so when Daniel started the apprenticeship at Wolf Life, we were still dating at that time, and um, so he, like I was saying, he was being exposed to all these ideas about campus ministry planting apart from me, because I, we weren't living together at that point. Mm-hmm. So, of course, when, you know, we would talk on the phone, I was in Thirsty, he was in Jonesboro, he would share a lot of those conversations and those dreams with me, but it didn't really feel like my own mm-hmm. necessarily. Like it seemed like something that it, that was his sure. and I was hearing about it from afar and don't get me wrong, you know, without a doubt he included me and he definitely wanted it to be mine too. But I just feel like there's only so much ownership you can have over a dream when you're not there yeah. to see a lot of the development and the growth of it. Mm-hmm. So all in all, I mean, I wasn't opposed to the idea by any means, but it definitely started as his dream. And over time, once we married and we were both living in Jonesboro, both going to Wolf Live, both going to uh, Southwest and being mentored by the Grambergs, it did become more and more of mine. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Just curious about that. So we were being mentored by the Grambergs and... 
So Daniel and I, we had a lot of ideas and conversations, and we were just a lot, we were a part of a lot of dreaming and just supposing mm. at that time. So, but looking back, it has become so evident to me that God brought all of the perfect pieces together, just, mm-hmm. just like magnets. Yeah. You know, Chris, who was the campus minister that Daniel worked for, you know, he was just so happened to be spearheading the campus ministry planting effort mm-hmm. and was also Daniel's boss. And Stan and Gina Granberg, who are the founders of Kairos, just happened to be living in Jonesboro mm-hmm. <laughs> and going to Southwest Church. So, you know, Daniel and I, we were just, we were the recipients of a lot of love and encouragement. Um, so anyways, so that's, that's where that, I feel like that's where the idea was rooted okay. in us, but where it actually like happened about a year and a half into Daniel's apprenticeship, we went with Wolf Life to a college conference called Gulf Coast Getaway. I don't know if you yeah, heard, heard of that. Yeah, Wow. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> at that conference, it was, I want to say it was like two or three, almost three years ago. Wow. They asked students who were committed to planting New campus <laughs> ministries. Sorry, that's my dog, Nelson. Oh, I understand. He's a little skittish. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they basically asked students who were committed to planting new campus ministries if they would basically step up and commit to it. So Daniel, myself, and a few of the students at the time, you know, we committed to doing it, and that was the birth of our team. And, wow. you know, some, some people have dropped off. Some more people have joined. And two years later, we were moving. Stop it. So when you, when they asked, okay, because I vividly recall a time, I thought about this the other day for some reason, I don't know why. Anywho, one time at Harding, I think it was at Harding, it could have been at Lipscomb still, because that all just kind of blurs together. They, somebody came and presented a video, and I think it might have been on human trafficking or something. And um, they asked everybody at the end, they showed the video, and they asked everybody to stand up who was willing to commit to like ending human trafficking, right? And so you're in this room with all these people and they've just shown you this like very emotionally laden movie. And so everybody stands up, right? Because you're like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the jerk that stays seated. <laughs> and I'm yeah. not saying that that's not a worthy cause, but what did you feel when you, when you agreed to commit? Cause I'm just imagining myself. Okay. When you agreed to commit, was it like, Oh my gosh, yes, we'll do this. This sounds great. Or were you, did you understand like the full capacity of what you were committing to. Does that make sense? I'm just imagining. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, of course I didn't. Of sure. course <laughs> I didn't. And, but here's, I kind of had a little sneak peek because <clears throat> when they said that on stage, I knew that was coming because oh, okay. of Chris's involvement with the organization that actually puts on Gulf Coast Getaway. So Chris, you know, had told Daniel, this is going to be the spotlight this year. We're going to talk about the need for this. Um, So I I knew that there was going to be a little call to action. But when it came time to do it, Daniel stood up and I was like, where are you going? (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, I I make it sound like I wasn't a part of it. I really was. But I mean, yes, there was a moment of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that it was Seattle or were they just like, hey, we just need people to be a part of this mission? 
they just were looking for people. Um, They didn't have a place or, you know, they weren't going to tell you how to do it. They basically just wanted people to say, yes, I care about campus ministry and I will commit to keeping it, you know, a part of our nation, basically. Wow. Um, Yeah. So as far as the Seattle part goes, um, we, you know, once we had committed to doing that, We got with Stan and Gina and some of the Kairos folks, and they uh, gave us a really good idea to go somewhere where there was a Kairos church plant happening, Mm. and then we could, you know, work parallel, you know, or in tandem, I guess, um, and help the church plant grow and thrive, and then in turn, you know, the church plant could help us. Mm. Um, So we got a list of all of the current Kairos church plants happening and we prayed each, over each of those cities. We talked to each of the planters in those cities and our team thought that Seattle was just the very best fit. We really love, love, love the planters here, <clears throat> Jared and Laura King. We love their heart for it. It's every, when we would talk to them, everything that they would say, we were like, yes, Mm. Do you ever meet those friends that yeah. just when they talk, you're just like, yes, mm-hmm. wait, but yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that is how we felt talking to them. And so mm-hmm. our team and everyone felt that way, which was pretty amazing. So it's like, okay, here yeah. we go. Wow. What were some of the other cities? I mean, were there any others that you considered or was it always just very clearly Seattle? So there were three. We came down to three. Uh, one was, I want to say Providence, Rhode Island. Whoa. Um, yeah, which was kind of cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. We loved all the planners we spoke with. It wasn't like, you know, a popularity contest, but it was just, so anyways, Rhode Island. And then the other one was Arizona State University, the other ASU. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and then there was a church plant happening in, I want to say Tempe. Oh, oh. I may have that wrong. And where is that? Ahead. Where is it? Yeah. Like what state? Wait, what did you say? Oh, at Tempe, Arizona, I think. Oh, yes, I think you're right. Tempe. I, oh. I've i only heard of that once or twice, but I, I don't know. I don't know much about Arizona. I've wanted to visit Arizona really badly. I think Antelope Canyon is there, if I'm not wrong. And oh, so yeah. I've always wanted to visit out there, but yeah, okay, Arizona. Yeah. So, and, you know, we spoke with all three of the locations, and we just didn't really have a tie to either of the other locations. Um, Daniel did an internship in Portland a few years ago, or a few years before that happened, Mm -hmm. before we were choosing, and he loved it. He loved the area. He thought that, um, I don't know, he just, he fell in love with the Pacific Northwest, and so we actually took a scouting trip up here to check it out, too, and wow, we liked it, and I mean, yeah, so a lot of thought went into it as far as where, but I will say we, we definitely chose Seattle because it, it's essentially the driving force of culture in America. It's just, it's incredibly influential mm-hmm. in its ways of thinking, its politics, movements, Music, I mean, grunge started here, Amazon's here, Boeing, Starbucks, Microsoft, Zulily. I mean, so many things are here. 
And <clears throat> I've heard it said that if you want to know what the rest of the world is going to look like in seven to ten years, mm. look at Seattle today. Wow. Which potentially sounds kind of scary. Yeah. But I think when we heard that, we really, we didn't really hear that in a lens of fear, but it was more of like a huge opportunity. Yeah. Like, what if you reach those people for God? Yeah. And, you know, what if the trendsetters, the future CEOs, innovators, big thinkers, what if they believed in the God of the Bible? Mm. And what if they formed their lives around, like, the teachings and the practices of Jesus? Wow. And it was just like, there there is something that we can do here that will extend so far beyond just a little old campus ministry. Because because of the people and the world changers that would be a part of the campus ministry. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we were like, yep. If we're going to do it, let's just go big. Like, let's just, let's just do it. Let's go for it. Wow. And we did. That is amazing. I did not know that about Seattle. I have another really good friend that lives out there. And I've always known Seattle is very, um, I don't, uh, loud is kind of the first word that I think of. Not literally, but just in the sense of like, they have a lot of opinions and they have a lot of thoughts about things and they're doing stuff and they're really active and stuff. And I, but I just didn't realize it was that prominent, but I'm not all that surprised yeah. either. That's really interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it definitely is a place that gets stuff done, which is kind of funny because sometimes they don't like the right. link rail <laughs> that we have here. I think it was supposed to be done like 10 years ago. Oh, I'm wow. just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, they're like not even halfway done. So, I mean, some things they are on the ball, like yeah. rights and equality and trying to bring equity to all things and fairness and, you know, the human side of it, I feel like they are like, woo! But, you know, of course, like the infrastructure part. <laughs> sure, right. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So when did, what year did y'all move out there? We moved out here in 2017 yeah so July 2017 so it's been about a year and a half so in this year and a half I mean so you came to Seattle which it sounds like it wasn't not like you guys had to start at ground zero there were already some things in place as far as the church plan and like wanting you you guys had a vision but what has happened in the last year as far as growth or like any obstacles you faced or kind of where are you guys at with that now Okay, so currently we are a ministry of about 20 students, mm-hmm. and it's comprised of both Christians and non-Christians, um, which is something that we really prayed for and wanted. Yeah. Um, so we currently have three weekly gatherings. Oh, um, cool. One is called Engage. We meet on campus, and we talk about the real-life concepts and events and we bring it into campus life. So, you know, a headline of one of our events might be, you know, depression on campus Mm. or how do we deal with domestic violence Mm -hmm. or something like that. So we take issues and we just speak very practically on how we can make the University of Washington a better place. Mm. And we do make it known that we are Christians talking about these things. So it's not like a bait and switch where people come in and then we have a time of worship and they're like, wait, what? I thought this was on. Yeah, sure. Um, But so we don't do that, but we do. I mean, we definitely say we're sojourn campus ministry. We're Christians. 
Um, but it's still, it's a really good event for people who are not Christians to come to because it is in a foreign type format, like an open forum. So it's very discussion based. There's no biblical knowledge that's needed to contribute to that event. So that's been neat. Um, so then our second event is gather, we call it gather and it's a weekly event. That's a little bit more intimate. It's in mine and Daniel's apartment. We have a meal and then we have a little bit more centered discussion over a short text from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And we found that more of our Christian students attend that of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's been really good just to give students a good meal in the middle of the week. Yeah. And, um, I think the home atmosphere, of course, adds a little something there. Um, And then our last event every week is our discipleship group. So we have several of these going on at once. There's usually, you know, two to four students involved in each discipleship group. And you just really dive into scripture in those. Uh, One of the groups we have going is actually a seeker study. Mm -hmm. So it's a group of uh, people who they're just interested in knowing more about Christianity and they're not believers by any sense, but they just want to know like what, what is Christianity? What's the basics of faith? What are chapters and verses? Mm. Um, you know, so we have had two rounds of that group going just where several students, yeah, they've just faithfully committed to it, which has been so cool. Just, they just want to know like, what even is it? And, I know Daniel and Devin have been a part of those groups and led those. And I, I have just seen Daniel come alive with those. That is just, that is his sweet spot. He loves it. Um, I think, I think the heart of it is he just feels so, I, I don't know when, when people have an experience with a Christian that is positive. Yeah. I think that's a win, especially in this city. Um, mm. and we can talk about that more, but it's, it, it's tricky, but we can talk about that whenever we talk about what I've learned. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But, um, but you know, of course in a couple times a quarter, we serve at a shelter, you know, just do what we call go nights. Um, where you just participate in things in the community. So some of our students that have come into Sojourn Campus Ministry, which I don't know if I even said the name of it. It's yeah, called Sojourn Campus Ministry. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. So, you know, it's cool to see some students come in the group into the group through just their desire to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's just what it looks like right now. P- students have come in through all of those events. Um, some students, they just want to be a part of the discipleship groups. Some students, they just want to be a part of the engaged nights, and that's, that's fine. Um, so there's just all kinds of ways and avenues that students can find us, um, depending on what they're interested in or where they're at, just with um, religion or spirituality or what have you. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's just all different ways that students can find us, that they can be involved. You know, some students, they just come to one thing. Mm-hmm. They only want the discipleship group. You know, sure. they only want the Bible part. And then some students, they don't want any of the Bible part and they just want to come to the serve nights and the engage nights, you know, where you talk about issues and stuff. So, and whatever level of involvement, that's, that's fine. You know, it's, it, it is what it is. And 
we'll just take what we've got and we'll go from there, you know? Well, but I love that you guys offer that. I love that you have different levels because like you said, not everybody is ready for, you know, the full thing, but then some people do want that. So I think it's cool. And if they have a friend that they're trying to, you know, get involved with or whatever, and they're not quite at the same level as that, you know, the other person, I think that's cool mm. that they have opportunities to do different levels of things. So it's not so intimidating, maybe. I think that's really cool. Right. I, yeah, for sure. Because there's nothing more discouraging than if you think you're ready and then you come head to head with someone who's way further down the road than you. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I can't do it. Yeah. And then you just don't. Yeah. But I think it's so important to see those types of people that are along the way. Yes. Um, and totally. get to see those people in action too. And I think that is what keeps people encouraged on the road of faith is mm-hmm. being able to see just the person right in front of them yep. instead of seeing, you know, the Billy Grahams or totally. the Beth Moores, which, you know, no, I'm not knocking them, but they are way farther down the road than I am. Yeah. And if that was, if that was it, if that's all I saw. And I feel like I would give up kind of easily. Oh my gosh. Yes. I totally agree. And I just am bursting with pride for you guys. Seriously. I just think it is so neat. And I'm so proud of y'all for doing this because I think our generation, and this kind of segues into what you mentioned earlier about Seattle being maybe a little bit of a tough place, which I've heard from my other friend Amanda um, talk about. Seattle's just very different in the sense of, I guess, spirituality or Christianity or whatever you want to call it. But I think, too, just generationally, I think our generation is kind of over it. And so I love what you guys are doing, and I think it's really important the way that you're doing it because you're... You know, we're all preaching the exact same Bible. Like, we're all talking about the same Bible that's been around for thousands of years. But it really matters now how we present it. And I think you guys are presenting it really well. So I'm very proud of y'all for real. I think it's really cool. Thank you, Allison. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. It matters. So tell us about, because you mentioned this earlier, and this kind of mm-hmm. ties into, with, you know, maybe what you would tell, like, pre-Seattle Holly. But um, tell us about the experience of, like, Seattle and working with people there and all that good stuff. Yeah. People from Seattle are amazing and terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. You know, I think it's a – I've decided it's a people thing. It's not a where you're from thing. I guess sometimes it could be. But it's it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And – Working here is just, it's hard as a Christian because we went from being in the majority mm-hmm. to immediately not only being in the minority as far as being a Christian, sure. but being a part of the problem. Ooh. Ooh. So in Seattle, Christians are the problem. Mm. And our rules, our exclusivity, our agenda, these things are what have held people in bondage Mm. that is what people here think and to be totally honest they're not all wrong right okay I'll say it they're not all wrong yeah but for a lot of people here as long as Christianity is alive progress is being impeded Mm. gosh and so you can imagine Mm. As a two-wing one, two-wing three, yes. <laughs> who wants to please everyone, Yeah, it is heartbreaking when the thing that is the basis of who I am mm. 
and why I even live here in the first place yeah means that I might have to be unliked sometimes because you know being yeah. liked and who I am in relation to others mm-hmm. is kind of how I gauge my identity and yeah. sometimes my worth Oof. Oof. right in it the heart it has been a challenge Gosh, I don't think that's very fun for anyone, honestly. No. You know? No. I mean, it's, it'd be like me moving to, I don't know, this is going to be a terrible example. It, it's really, like, if you move anywhere with the intention of starting a business or selling your product or whatever, it doesn't even have to be Christianity, but if you go with the heart to spread some word, but everybody in that place thinks that you suck because of that word, I mean, I don't think that's fun for anyone. Yeah. I would not like that. Exactly. So I've I've had to just let go of the opinion of others and just be okay with not being liked or even worse, not being believed in. Mm. So that is biggie number one is just let it go. And I think you can do that irresponsibly, I will say. I think you can just be like, well, let it go. And then you don't listen to anybody or anything, you know, and then the people that you probably should listen to are trying to, you know, promises are along, but you're like, nah. (laughs) But, um, so I think you can do that irresponsibly. So I'm currently trying to figure out, okay, what do I let go? Who are my people that I can listen to? Um, and just kind of figure that little dance out. Which is incredibly wise. And I think very challenging. I mean, that is not easy work. But I do think it's very, very wise. Because I love what you said. And I want to reiterate this point. Because I hear this all the time. And it causes me to get a little southern on people. Um, my clients will tell me a lot. They just, oh, well, I just don't care. I don't care what they think. I don't care. And I'm like, yes, you do. And furthermore, to not care what people think is extremely dangerous and a little sociopathic. So it's yeah. important to care what people think, but learn how to deal with it appropriately, which means sometimes you have to let it go. And that is very challenging because as humans in general, we kind of are very black and white as like a survival thing. So to be able to say, you know what, they don't really like me and they don't care for what I say. That doesn't mean that they're evil. It doesn't mean that I'm evil. And Mm. it's going to be okay. I mean, that's very hard. I'm telling you. Yeah. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Which, you know, it has led, just just being here has led to a lot of wrestling matches with Mm -hmm. God. Where I just question everything. Like, God, are you still going to show up? Is this kind of belief system really the best way are these people right Mm. okay are these people really wrong though am i wrong you know is christianity the problem it's just all of these questions sound so scary to ask and Mm. i honestly if i knew i was going to ask all these questions before moving here i probably wouldn't have come because i would have been like oh no too deep too dark yeah but um they are so to ask myself these things I found it is just so necessary Yeah. if you are living to bring people that live on the outskirts of the kingdom. If you're going to bring those people from a place of unbelief to belief, you've got to go there yeah. because those are the questions that they are asking. Yes. So I can't, I cannot be afraid of that. I have to go there myself and trust that if God is real, he is big enough to handle it. 
-hmm. He is great enough to bring me through whatever may arise out of that. Yeah. Um, and that, that is also hard. I feel like there are several hard things that I'm just like learning plus going through your twenties at the same time. I'm telling you what I can't with that. (sighs) Nope. I'm telling you, I just want to put you in my pocket and take you everywhere. I just think you are so wise and I've always felt that about you, but I think it takes it, you know, not anybody can just go and like, plant this thing you guys are involved in multiple things and and do this in a place where people are pretty like not having it and you're also working another job on top of doing this that isn't always that fun but it's cool and whatever all the things and being married and being a 20 something and being really far away from your family like there are layers of complexity and difficulty here and I know that you know it's not always cute but you do it with such grace overall and I think it takes a special person to do that because it is not easy and I like I said my friend Amanda who lives in Seattle talks about you know the difficulty at times of Seattle and I think I don't know I have never visited I want to visit but I imagine that it's it's it can be difficult at times beautiful and wonderful and amazing and really cool but Mm -hmm. challenging all the same Oh, yeah. And, okay, so I've told you some hard things. Can I tell you good things? Oh, yeah, girl, please. Okay. So, good news. Yes. People who are not believers are not innately scary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about that? Well, okay, so that sounds so asinine. But, look, I'm from an area where everyone wears the label Christian, okay? And some of those people are not always the best people. Yeah. Totally. So, it's easy to assume that people who have no interest whatsoever in wearing that Christian label, they must be real scary then. If there's some scary Christians out there. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, when I moved to Seattle, like literally on the road to Seattle, I prayed a lot for non-Christian friends because I don't have, I didn't have much experience with that. I mean, I'm talking about non-Christian as in like, they don't even want 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 to be called Christian, mm. you know, and guess what? Mm. <laughs> you got some girl. Gave to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and here is what I found out. Okay. They didn't scare me. They did not frighten me. And I think one of the biggest joys that has taken root in me since moving is just the realization that I have to love people for being people first. Mm-hmm. And in all my relationships, I need to ask myself, is this person, if this person looked at me in the face and said, I will never believe in God, I will never be a Christian, I will never think the way that you do, would I care about them still? Mm. Or would I feel angry, cut my losses? walk away and just strike up another relationship mm-hmm. with someone else. Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, if that is, if someone said that to me and that is how I would respond, then it's probably a good indicator that my love for them just extends to the level of their belief yeah. or their desire for belief, mm-hmm. not their personhood. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, like, yeah. If, if the basis of my relationship with someone is that, I mean, that's about as conditional of a love as you can get. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, if Absolutely. they say, no thanks, and I feel nothing for them, or maybe even start to feel a little negatively towards them, mm. then am I really seeing them as a person that yeah. God loves? Mm-hmm. So right, I girl. think if to be effective in post-Christian cities like mm-hmm. Seattle, mm-hmm. you have to love people for being people and not potential wins. Oh. Because if I Gosh. if I love someone like a person, I'm gonna respond differently. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. So and I'm I'm gonna play the role of somebody from the South because this is what I've heard. That's right. But Holly, <laughs> when your friend which this has happened makes it clear that she is not interested in God, faith, Jesus, whatever, what are you gonna do? Oh my gosh. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Well, let me tell you what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. gonna go out to dinner with her. That's right. I'm gonna go to the farmers market with her on a Saturday, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna get her a little happy at Christmas time. That's right. Because my friendship with her does not depend on her level of belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that right. That is not how it works. Well, and that's part of the problem. That's that's part yes. of the problem. Yes, girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, I guess it could work that way if you wanted it to. But then you would only be friends with people who are just right on the cusp of believing. Yeah. But, um, you know, what about the people who aren't there yet? Mm, mm, mm. What about the people that would be there if someone spent the time and the energy just loving them as a person? I'm telling you, girl. I'm telling okay. you. Okay. So, I am just going to love her because she is who she is and here's the secret to all this for 2017 holly who want to be friends with unbelievers but didn't know how just accept the fact that guess what you my dear are a work in progress too oh bless it girl keep on preaching just keep saying it (laughs) just keep saying it but i'm just saying if i think if we really did realize that we too are a work in progress mm-hmm. we would probably be a little less hard on other people for where they are you know what is so like why do we do that why do christians do that i don't know but you're right i think that there's this level of like we're in we're in and uh-huh. we good and so we just gonna go out here and save the others that aren't in and that is so ignorant like that just makes me want to mm-hmm. spit a little bit because mm-hmm. because i think some of it is like I think people are well-meaning and just kind of, I mean, and I'm not being hateful, but I really think it's, some of it is just ignorance. Like, they just don't know that they're thinking that and they're behaving that way. But mm-hmm. until you stop and realize, like, oh, wow, I, too, sin every day, multiple times a day. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are covered and we are taken care of, but that doesn't mean that we don't stop being hooligans. So, right. I don't know. I think I think that's a really important point that people don't think about. And I can see why non-Christians look at us like, you are the most ridiculous people because you just, you can't see the forest for the trees. You you can't see past the tip of your own nose because you're so caught up in, like, this rightness business. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. icky. Well, I think, a, I think a lot of that, honestly, is comes from a place of shame i think we live in a world where shame is king or just has a lot of power let's put it that way and i think when you can find something that you either are good at or you think you're right on i think people just hold on to that with both hands for their dear lives and they just milk it for all it's worth because finally they can point the finger at somebody else yes and 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know what all is behind that or how to stop that. But I just, I think that's what it is. Is when you feel relief from your shame, yeah. woo, you are going to turn fire. <laughs> and you're going to give it to somebody else because this is your moment to shine. That's right, girl. That is right. So, I agree. I agree. It is so, a nasty I mean, thing. look, don't get it twisted. I pray for my non-believing friends. Sure. And I ask God to do something big in their lives mm-hmm. that will lead them to consider him. So, I mean, I don't just love, accept, rah, rah, maybe it'll happen. Sure. No. I mean, I believe I do have to pray it into existence. Sure. But all that to say, if you're listening to this podcast and you are an unbeliever, come to my house. Mm, girl. I will say that I'm a Christian, but I will treat you like a human. Yes. That's and I'm right. going to give you the utmost respect for your story mm-hmm. and your experiences. And I'm going to sit there and listen to you. And I will ask you questions. That, and I will not, how about this? I will not make you defend who you are. Oh, but I am girl. just going to want to understand. And I'm going to make you dinner that you would not believe. Allison, we have got this amazing salmon <laughs> recipe with a butter sauce that Ooh, Daniel makes. You girl. Had you had me at butter. <laughs> I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. That sounds so amazing. Mm-hmm. You've got such wisdom. I love it. <laughs> um, but yes, I agree with you. I do think it's a serious problem. And I love just like, I don't know, just treat people like people. Because now more than ever, they need that so badly. And mm-hmm. people just want to be heard. And they want intimacy and they want attachment. That is true for every single human on the planet. And if you can provide even a little bit of that, then you are reaching somebody. And I think that's super mm-hmm. important. And that's what Christ would do anyway, so. Yeah. But, you know, that that is exactly, if I think that is what I would tell myself a year and a half ago, is just, Holly, your faith is going to change. But that does not mean that you are not a Christian anymore. Yeah. And you will find, I, I just want to tell myself that I would, I will find myself deeply loving people that are not Christians, Mm -hmm. but that does not mean that I'm condoning their lifestyle. And that is something that I did not understand before moving here, that to love somebody and they are doing wrong must mean that I am telling them what you're doing is okay. Mm. But I have found living here that it does not. Yeah. And I can't really explain it. You just can't explain it until you've got one or two people in your life that they aren't believers right but you just you just stay who you are around them and things change mm-hmm. um and man I just I really would want to tell myself that it's just that I'm gonna let go of things I'm gonna learn new things and both are good yeah mm, I like that yeah I like that yeah. and I do think it requires a certain level of security in who you are because, because I mean, this is true no matter who you're around, but you influence the people that you're with and they influence you. And if you're not secure in who you are or who you believe God to be for you and in other people, then I think there's a level that, you know, maybe that needs to be strengthened. And that can certainly be strengthened along the way, but you have to be secure in a foundation or else, you know, it ain't going to work. Yes, and it is all a dance. It is. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. You get it right sometimes, and you don't get it right sometimes. Right. And I have not done it perfectly. There mm-hmm. have been, you know, times when I've said something or thought something, and you know, Dan's like Holly, but that's not from God. Like that is not 
a biblical thought, like, mm. or, or not necessarily a thought, but that that's not a biblical way to think about that. Like, that's not what Christians believe. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not going to say like, you know, save the world and don't be touched by anybody. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna make mistakes and they are, hopefully you will affect them. And just know that they're probably going to affect you sometimes, too. They're going to confuse you a little bit because that's, you know, what Satan does. Sure. He likes to lie because that's the language he speaks, like we're told. Yeah. So he he knows how to do it. He knows how to do it like I know how to speak English. That's right. So I might argue that if you're not from the South. But if you're from the South. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I guess what I'm saying is sometimes you'll get it right and sometimes you won't. And that's fine. Just know what you're rooted in. And yeah. Don't hesitate to go back to those roots and just do some research every now and then. Is this right? That's Should right. I be thinking this way? That's right, girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to have you back when y'all, you know, in a couple months, we can just keep ranting and raving about things. And Let's do it. I just think y'all are going to go places, and I'm excited for y'all, and I think it's so neat what you're doing. And I really am so proud of you because I think it's hard, and it's fun, and it's great, and all the things, but it's also hard, and so... I just love it. I'm rooting you on all the way from Arkansas. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> okay, girl. So what is nourishing you now? This can be anything in all the land. Oh, heavens. Allison. <laughs> I am one of the few that have never read Harry Potter. Bless us, Lord. Holly. <laughs> I forgive you. It's all right. I am in the middle of reading Harry Potter for the first time. Okay, how do you feel? And I am on book five, and I have heard that people's opinions of Harry switch in book five, Mm. because it's the Harry Yellen book, but I'm like, y'all, he's traumatized, like, (laughs) the poor boy has watched his son, his son, his friend be murdered. Yeah, I mean, boy's been through a lot. I would yell too. Yes, yep, yep, I I definitely would, and have, so I understand, Harry, (laughs) I understand. But it, it has really been really cool to read these books as an older person yes. honestly just to see how they the kids grow and develop over the books oh i know uh, the words of dumbledore i can't on. i can't with dumbledore he is so good you know a lot of people read and or watch the movies around christmas time because of the spiritual implications and i think that's a very yes. that's a very controversial statement maybe because i think a lot of like traditionally christian people would would say like Harry's magical and we can't equate that whatever I don't have whatever I'm over that but I I think if you can just take it at its base value there really are a lot of spiritual implications Clayton got me all the movies for my birthday and we watched them in one weekend thank you that's like I don't even know the math like 20 something hours of movies yes we are here for it and I I mean I got teary at several spots which Clayton was like oh my gosh like dry it up but there were times where I was like, wow, I don't know. It's just, I am more amazed that J.K. Rowling wrote such an incredible series. Like, she is brilliant. I don't even know. Yeah, I could talk about this she forever. Is. She's so and smart. there are totally biblical themes in the book. Yes. Like, I, I, mm. I'm here That's for it. That's another thing. You gotta learn to see God when he's not in the Bible. That's right. Like, let's let it and, go. Yeah. Please. Yeah. I don't have time for this. I don't. Uh-uh. I love uh-uh. me some HP. I do. So it has been such a good outlet for me just to read and and 
it, for it to not just be trash. You know what yes. I mean? Like, I know. look, I'm all about some America's Next Top Model too, mm-hmm. but that's not helping me out. But I really do feel like reading Harry Potter is just, it is like a healthy yeah. outlet. I agree. I like that. Good for you, so, girl. Yeah. Okay. So then I've got some food because you know. Oh yes. The joys of life are in food too. I agree. Full Tilt, which is a oh. ice cream company here. Ooh. They have a flavor. I'm ready. Called Coffee Oreo. Stop that right now. Cause yeah. Oh my gosh, that's it amazing. Is so good. The coffee is like so creamy. Mm. And. The Oreo is, like, perfect. I would not have thought to put those together, but that is brilliant. So good. And I've been hitting up some stovetop popcorn lately. Naturally. With some extra butter. Oh, Talked about butter earlier. I'm here for that. That's my go-to snack. That sounds so good right now. Mm. Keeping this figure ain't easy. I'm here. I'm here to tell you that. I'm here... (laughs) To that, yeah, we tried to do Whole30 and Paleo, which was the biggest LOL of my whole life, and I just cannot with anything. I just cannot. Oh, Coffee and see, Oreo. I want to do that. Oh, I want please, to be a girl. person that does that. No, you don't. It's not fun. I do. Mm-mm. I do. But here's why I don't. Mm-mm. Because I know it's not going to stick. No, it doesn't stick. Heavens. Clayton, we joked, and by joke, I mean cried, because when we did Whole30, we would say, I would make, like, quote, Whole30 desserts, which, P.S., you're not supposed to do. That's, like, exactly against Whole30, but I had to live my life. And um, we would make these things, or even, like, paleo desserts, he would always say, well, it's almost a dessert. Like, it's almost, like, you can tell that it's supposed to be a dessert, but there's no sugar. So... You know, I just, I feel like every day I go back and forth between I want to eat better, but then I just can't. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. Mm. I think it's just in moderation. I I think, I think you just got to say no sometimes. And then when you get your plate ready, you just put a little half scoop back. That's right. So then you can still eat what you want, but. That's right. You know. You just eat till you're pleasantly full, not stuffed. That's right. I agree. I agree. I'm going to be thinking about this coffee and Oreo ice cream all day. I'm just here to tell you. I need to get Well, when you come to Seattle. That's right. Your first one's on me. Okay. That is so smart. I'm telling you. That's a prime example of Seattle just being ahead of the curve. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we ain't going to get that here for 10 years. So. (laughs) Unless I start an ice cream shop. So. That might be fun. Well, Holly, I just think you're the bee's knees, and I had such a nice time talking to you. I feel like I could talk to you for another three hours, but I think we might lose some people if we made it last that long. (laughs) Well, I just, I love you, and I'm so thankful for this, this conversation, but honestly, just the whole podcast, it's it's really been good for me, too. You're such a lamb. Well, I seriously do want to have you back whenever, I don't know, I just... You know, I think there are a few people I've interviewed that I'm like, we could talk about paint drying, and I feel that it would be helpful, <laughs> if for no one else but to me. So, I think you're one of those people, and I would love to have you back any old time, sister. Thanks, friend. I told y'all, sometimes the Southern comes out. But, anyways, aside from the Southern, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. I hope that maybe it um, was thought-provoking for, thought for you. <sighs> 
Blue says hi. Um, I hope that it made you think about some things and maybe um, some things you can talk about with your friends um, in your own life. So anyways, as always, you can let me know what you think over at the Be Nourish podcast on Instagram. You can also find Holly there. I've put all of her information about herself and about the church and the um, school stuff and all the things that they're doing on the show notes. So be sure to check that out as well. Hope you guys have an awesome week.